0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark.
1: Glory to you, Lord Christ.
0: Jesus came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, Where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What deeds of power are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor except in their hometown, and among their own kin, and in their own house. And he could do no, no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then he went about among the villages teaching. He called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, But to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics, he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave the place. If any place will not welcome you and they refuse to hear you as you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I've always thought that this story of Jesus going to preach in his hometown is one of the most human of Jesus's recorded experiences. Those who had known him since he was a small child had known him as the carpenter, as Mary's son, as the brother of a handful of local characters. These people were dubious, offended even, by Jesus's preaching. His power, his knowledge, and authority. I wonder if there is a single adult here who cannot even vaguely relate to the complications of going home. If you have never felt misunderstood or judged or limited in the eyes of your family, both the generations above you and the generations below you, Or like the people who knew you as a child or a young adult have a hard time seeing you clearly at your current stage of life. And you are either in denial or lying or you come from extraordinarily open-minded people. The people who have known us the longest are sometimes the ones who have the hardest time seeing new possibilities when they look at us. I want to spend some time talking about this today, but I think talking about being misunderstood is much less useful than talking about the ways in which we are the ones who misunderstand. We are the ones whose expectations of those around us limit our ability to see the glory of God, the glory of goodness in other lives. We are the ones who maybe need a bit of a kick in the rear to get beyond our own made-up minds and dearly held conclusions. We are perhaps the Nazareans who missed the boat on the gift of wisdom and love and healing that Jesus offered. In Mark, which we just read, the Nazareans simply refused to see past what they knew of Jesus And thus they were offended by his preaching. Luke tells us that they were not only offended, they actually chased Jesus to the edge of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. And I wonder where in my life I may be in danger of throwing Jesus off a cliff. Where in our shared life Are we in danger of missing the point that love is trying to make known to us? My truly wonderful, open-minded, loving grandmother died last week. In a family where most of us have pretty solidly held ideas of what we think is right and what we think is wrong, my grandmother listened to everyone. And as far as I know, she never made any of us feel that we were wrong. Among thousands of books and articles on her shelves, the things that she read ran the gamut from ultra-right-wing conservative Christian Billy Graham to Stephen Charleston, the dean of one of our most liberal seminaries, EDS. She read every point of view and had room in her intellect and in her heart to see the validity of each, which is much more than I can say about myself. When I showed up at her house this week, this past week, knowing that I was to be given some part in officiating her funeral, I saw those Billy Graham books on the shelf and thought maybe I was going to get thrown off a cliff as soon as I opened my mouth in prayer in that house. But it was not to be. My relatives were absolutely gracious. And we prayed together and honored an amazing matriarch together in great love. It turns out that I was the one making a limiting judgment. And so it was I, in my anxiety, who was limiting the possibility of love in the expectations I had of my relatives. We have these little expectations, don't we? Expectations that hold us back from living the full life of love that we are created to live. And I mean that both individually and as a people. As a people, for too long, we expected that marriage was only for some people, but last week the Supreme Court broke through that limiting expectation and expanded the possibilities of love. For too long, we as a people expected racism to be a thing of the past without having to do much about it. And then we were somehow caught off guard by a year of overt Racist violence. And now we are in a place of expanded awareness. And we can take that awareness and do something with it. If we choose to. For too long in mainline Christian denominations, we've had these expectations that conservative or deeply devout or charismatic or overtly Jesus-loving Christians are all judgmental and close-minded. But what if we looked deeper and saw the passion for God and the expansive spiritual energy that is very real in those communities? I invite us to look at Christians who we think are very, very different from us. Christians who offend us and see brothers and sisters who can teach us something about the depth of devotion one can have for God. So many of us refuse to listen to or offer our respect to people who we see as very different ideologically or in life experience, whether they are a family member or a celebrity or a stranger on the street who we have made a snap judgment about. There are so many ways in which we have allowed our limited opinions and views of other people to cheat us out of all that God may be offering us. And all the ways in which we are actually being invited, often in surprising ways, to bring about the love of the kingdom of God's dreams here on earth. In the second half of today's gospel, Jesus sent his disciples out with nothing of their own. No food or extra clothes or money. They were to go out and be with people who they did not know people of different traditions and cultures, and they were to depend upon the hospitality and generosity of others. What vulnerability he called them to, and what intimacy was made possible by that vulnerability and by the hospitality that was offered. And when it didn't work out, because it doesn't always, when hospitality wasn't offered, when people refuse to listen to each other's stories, when people refuse to experience love through one another, Jesus told his disciples not to force it. Just leave, he told them, and shake the dust off your feet as you go. Don't let rejection cling to you. When others refuse us or limit us, we don't have to stay. And waste time and energy knocking our heads against brick walls. And when we are the ones being thick headed brick walls, no one is obliged to stay and try to open us up to whatever it is that they have to share. When we close ourselves off from others and hold tight to our assumptions and judgments and prejudices, we are at great risk of missing out, just as the Nazareans did. When Jesus came home to them. Just as I did for so long with my family, actually. You know, I've only visited my extended family a few times in the past 20 years. And the visits were always quick one-day visits. Because I didn't realize that my family actually had a lot to share with me. A lot to teach me. And a lot of love to offer. It was not until the heart of our family, my grandmother, died, that I went back and went deeper and stayed longer and discovered a great well of mutual love. I also discovered many of my grandmother's poems. She was a prolific writer of poetry and prose, philosophy, and memoir. I found one poem that feels right to share with you now as we think of the life that Jesus is asking us to live as his open-minded, open-hearted, vulnerable disciples. The life he is asking us to live so that we may be free of all that holds us back from the expansiveness of God's love. This poem is titled, If, and it was written by Bonnie Myers Colton, my maternal grandmother. If you can learn from other people's wisdom and so avoid hard lessons filled with pain, if you can tolerate another's foibles and yet not lose your calm nor go insane, if you can find amid the day's confusion, a quietness where doubts and worries cease, where you can dream and turn your dreams to action, where you can conquer fear and nourish peace if you can stretch your mind to see your future imagining the best life holds and more then leave behind your little expectations and reach for what the unknown holds in store you'll be enriched in ways you never dreamed of you'll soon become the best that you can be and in that day While living life's full challenge, you'll find at last that you are truly free. Amen.